go for every single week in the series, and that is should be a, like a big snapshot of how great our student leaders are. Our student leaders, there is nothing better than a student leader in junior high. You can clap, but thank you, Reed. Thank you, Reed, for leading the way. Look at that leadership right there, leadership. A silent room being the only man clapping, that's leadership. Uh, grab your Bibles and grab a pen uh, and uh, grab a note, piece of paper. They're on carts all around the room uh, because I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste a lot of time. So grab a Bible, grab a pen. And here is uh, a question for you that I have. It's going to be up here on the screen. So what, when is a time, when is a time you overreacted? Now, if you're anything like me, chances are you have overreacted to something. So let me start off very young, okay? Because we've been overreacting, you don't know this, our entire lives. We've been overreacting. From the day that we were born, coming out of the womb, crying, we've been overreacting. Birth is not that big of a deal, okay? You don't need to be crying about it, all right? That's what I say to my kids. Now, fast forward, my oldest is 18 months old, 18 months old. And when we say no to him or take something from him, like it's maybe it's time for bed, Maybe it's time to eat, you know, very normal things. Maybe we don't want him putting his hand on the fire of my grill. Maybe we don't want him running into the road. You know, just normal parent stuff. He just freaks out. He just, and he gets this look on his face, a constipated poop look. And he just, this is what he does. He literally, this is what he does. He stands there, puts his hands in the air, goes down to his knees and his belly. And he just starts doing this. And that, by the way, is the textbook definition of overreaction. My, my son overreacts. When I was in junior high, I overreacted. Uh, there was a girl, I went to a dance when I was in junior high. I'm a big fan of dancing. I got moves like Jagger, like it is so tight. I know, thank you very much. And everyone knows, everyone knows this. This is obvious, okay? It, it, when any school dance, any time there's a dance type thing, the last slow song is the song you dance with, the girl or boy that you like. It just, everyone knows this. It's science, okay? It's science. Everyone knows this. So I'm there, very last dance, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, the, the movie Titanic was huge, so we had Celine Dion's, uh, the, what, you know, whatever it was, uh, I don't remember the song, but Celine Dion sang it, and it was in Titanic, the ship sank, and uh, it was whatever. So uh, we were doing the song, and I was dancing with a girl named Courtney, and to me, that was, and you know, we were dancing, and it was like our eyes locked, it was like, it was a done deal. And I walked away from that dance moment knowing that we were just an item, that we were totally in love with each other. So the next day, I go to school, and thinking like, oh man, I'm going to see the love of my life. I'm like seventh grade, by the way. And I see her there talking to some other dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not too happy about that. And seventh grade Justin is very similar to, you know, older Justin, overreacts, you know, bl you know, blam, overreaction. And I go up and I'm like, who's this guy? You know, this is classic Justin. Who's this guy? What's he doing here? I thought me and you were a thing. We danced last night. And, uh, you know, overreaction for about three minutes where when I finally calmed down and she could kind of get a word in, she explains to me uh, very few words, uh, Justin, this is my cousin. So, like, it was super, like, I was just overreacting for no reason. You know, I've overreacted in funny ways. I've overreacted in really serious ways. You know, sometimes you get in an argument with someone, even someone you're close with, someone you love. I've got in an argument 
arguments with my mom before because, you know, I had arguments with my mom growing up. That's not weird. You People argue. It's fine. It's, there's health and love in that. So I'm arguing with my mom, and, I, you know, she says something or I want something that she's not giving me, and I overreact by saying something really mean, really hurtful. And, you know, that was a huge, like, moment of overreaction for me. I remember my mom, a single mom, she wouldn't buy me. This is, a, this is actually a really, this is a really painful story. So I hope you're listening to this. This is very serious. I don't want to say this story again. So I, I wanted these new shoes uh, that I, I wasn't getting these new shoes that I really wanted. And uh, me and my mom were arguing about it. And the, the fact of the matter is we just didn't have a whole lot of money uh, to buy these new shoes. So what happened was as we're arguing, I say, Mom, why don't you just make more money so I can have the things I want? Like, that's like, that's like a really mean hurtful thing to say, especially to my mom, single mom, she's working as hard as she can. Now, I look back at that now as an adult, and I see how wrong I was. But when I was a kid, in the moment, it was so easy for me to overreact. Now, here's the thing. If you're honest with yourself, you can probably look at a couple items in your life that you've overreacted about. And here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how we react to things. Because in the end, and this is important, in the end, the only thing that we have control over is how we react. We don't have control over how other people react because we can't control other people as hard as we may try. We don't control how other people feel. We can't control what other people do or what other people say. We can only control, and this is important, how we react when those things happen. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes you are the person who you have a cool, level head. You react just fine. You don't overreact. You're, you react well, and you're good. And sometimes you are the person who loses their mind in your chaos, and you overreact. Now, we're going to take a look at Jonah. We've been talking about it for the last couple weeks, and we're in chapter 4 of Jonah. And we're going to talk about how he overreacted, and we're going to learn a little bit about how we can be better at how we react, because today we're talking about how we react. Overreaction, underreaction, how we react. So this is what it says. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Jonah chapter 4. It's on page 903. You're going to love this. Let me give you a little quick, you know, kind of an overview. I know we have some new students over here. Hello, new students. I don't know every single new student that's here. There's probably a lot. But these two guys are in the back in the corner, and they grabbed me right before I came up. And they said, oh, and they're, they're super outgoing guys. They're like, hey, like, we're new. This is our first time here. Very, very nice boys. So the, here's a little update for you guys and anyone else who maybe hasn't been listening the last couple weeks. We're talking about Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God. Jonah chapter 1, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell the people a message that's going to change their lives. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to do it. And Jonah did not want to do that. Jonah decided that it was better for him to run to a place called Tarshish, which for them was like the edge of the known world. So you kind of have on a map all the places in the world that's there. Tarshish back then was like at the edge of that map. Like explorers haven't gone that far yet, and that's as far as they got. So he was basically going to the furthest place that he could go away from what God was asking to do. Then he goes and he gets on a boat. They end up throwing him overboard on the boat. And what happens is a big fish comes up, swallows him, pretty ridiculous stuff. And then he prays to God, and he asks God for help. God, will you deliver me? God, will you help me? God, will you, know, you deliver me from this fish, you know, so on and so forth. And God does it. He, he lets him go from this fish. The fish vomits him up onto the beach, which is totally in the Bible, very gross, but very true. And then he goes into the city of, of Nineveh 
to, to talk with them and tell them that they need to change their ways. And he goes and he says very simple words, repent, and for 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And that's what he says, very, very simple. And he's thinking the whole time, God is going to destroy the city. These people are not going to listen to what I have to say. They're not going to care what I have to say. But it actually, something surprising happened. It shocked them. You know, Jonah, he delivered all these words, and the people actually saw what was going on, and they changed what they were doing. All the way from the king to the peasant people, everyone changed their ways and started following God and listening to God. Now, here's what's so good about that. Here's what's so good. Jonah, though, had the expectation that that wasn't going to happen. And that's where we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. This is what it says. This change of plans, the change of plans of God, you know, saving these people, these change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are, big words, a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just So here we go, overreaction time. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will happen. It'd be better if I was dead than alive than having to see these people saved from destruction. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to talk for a moment about mercy and compassion. We know what mercy and compassion looks like. Okay, when I was a kid, uh, I once had a test. Well, I had many tests. I got bad grades in a lot of them. I once had this test where specifically, I remember even to this day, and I did not study for this test. I remember why I didn't study for this test. I decided that it would be better for me to play this new video game I got on my PlayStation than study for this test. There's no need. I got this game called Ratchet and Clank. I thought this game was so super awesome. It was like a little uh, robot guy with a little uh, talking rabbit. It, to me, this is the most incredible thing ever. So I decided I need to spend my whole weekend playing this game, not studying for this test. So when I went in to take the test, it literally was like a foreign language. I didn't know any of these answers. I guessed on all of them, got most every single one wrong. And afterwards, I told my teacher, like, she was like, what happened with this test? Like, this is really bad. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't study for this test. I was honest. I didn't study for this test. I'm so sorry about that. You know, is there anything that we can do to, like, make this better? Is there anything that we can do to maybe get me some extra points? And she said, okay, I'll give you some extra credit. You can do this, and we'll add it to the, the total of your grade, and, you know, you should be okay. And I loved the compassion and mercy Really, if you want to put a word to it, it's the word understanding. I love the understanding that I got from my teacher. And I got that understanding, and I did the extra credit, and I turned it in, and then my grade went up, and it was awesome. See, later there was another test, probably like two months later, and this one I decided to take this test very seriously. I got the study guide. I sat down. I made flashcards. I answered every question on the study guide. I even studied with my mom. She quizzed me doing the flashcard thing. Like, I took this test really the whole weekend. No ratchet and clank, no video games, all studying, all business. So I sat there, and I read and read and read, which is very hard for me. I have ADHD. It's very hard for me to read for hours and hours. It's like torture. But I did it. I went through the torture. I did all of this, and I went and took the test. And do you know what I got on the test? I got a really high grade. I got, like, an A on this test. Like, it was incredible. I was so impressed with myself. I was so proud of myself. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But one of my friends, okay, one of my friends, he didn't study for this test, okay? He kind of did what I did the first time. Didn't study for the test. And then he went to the teacher, just like I had gone to the teacher, and the teacher was very understanding to him. Now, here's the thing. I spent the whole weekend studying. 
Like, it wasn't easy for me to say no to my friends and no to video games and no to TV in order to study, but I did it. So I took issue that my buddy did not study at all, got a terrible grade, and the teacher was just giving him extra credit that was very simple, and he ended up getting, after the extra credit, the same grade I got. And he did none of the hard work. I did all the hard work. And I was very upset with that. You know, how funny is that, that one time I love this compassion and understanding I get, and the other time I'm so angry about it. Now, I want you to write this down. We love mercy and compassion for us, We love when people give us understanding. We love when people are merciful to us and compassionate to our shortfalls and our fails and the things we mess up and screw up. We love when we receive that. But it annoys us when others get it who we think didn't deserve it. And we know that's true. You know, we see in Jonah that that God loves Jonah. Like, God you know, looks at Jonah and is proud of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God. That's a huge deal. Like, you know what it means to be a prophet? This is a freebie for you, okay? Back then, you know, people who were prophets of God were highly respected because they spoke for God. And when they spoke, that thing they spoke about actually happened. Like, what they weren't wrong. They weren't right, like, 80% of the time or 90. They were right 100% of the time. So when people would lie about being a prophet, they'd kind of fake it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm a prophet, and they'd prophesy some things, and those things didn't go, you know, 100% the way they said. Like, those people were, like, killed. Like, it was very serious to impersonate a prophet. It's very serious stuff. So for him to be a real, authentic prophet of God, that's a huge deal. God loved him. But you know what Jonah did with the love that God gave to him? He, he, he hoarded it. He wanted to keep that for himself. He didn't want to share it with other people. He didn't want to take God's love to Nineveh. He didn't like the people of Nineveh. You know, he loves being loved by God, but he gets annoyed when God wants to love other people and rescue and save and care for other people. I don't know if you've ever been that way, but that's the way Jonah is. You know, this is what we see, uh, the, the next verse. This is what we see. Verse four, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? You know, Jonah's very upset. Now, remember, we're talking about reaction. Jonah, overreaction. It'd be better if I was dead than have to see this city delivered. I would, like, that is like a mess. I've never, like I said, I've said a lot of crazy stuff. I don't think I've ever said that. Maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've ever said it'd be better if I was dead. Like, that's such an extreme example. And here's what I love about God. During these times of our extremeness, God sees things clearly. See, Jonah's going out of control and losing his mind. God's not losing his mind. God asked this question. Now, I want to give you a little bit about questions and why God's questions are important. This is what it says. God will ask the right questions at the right time, even if it's the wrong time for us. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, we wanted to pull a prank on a buddy of mine. Uh, what we decided to do was uh, he's got a new truck. Super cool. We were all 16, 17, so he got his license, got a truck. And he, uh, me and my friends decided it would be great to let all the air out of all four of the tires. <laughs> Super awesome. So we saw uh, uh, his car in the student parking lots where all the students park, you know, the you know, sophomore, you know, junior, seniors who had cars. And so after school, he, we went to his car. We took the air cap off his car and, you know, used it and, you know, kind of pushed a little pin in the, in the tire so the air just started pouring out of the tire. And we're, me and my buddy, are looking at each other like, this is awesome. Like, we were right in the mix. We had this plan. We're doing it. Like, this is so great. All the air. Like, oh, my, it's going to shock my friend when he sees it. And a buddy of 
ours was there, uh, a guy named Brian, and he was like, guys, do you think like this is like smart? Like, do you think this is a good idea? How are we going to put air back on the tires? Now, I didn't think that far ahead, okay? I didn't think about how we are going to put air back into the tires so we could drive away. I was just thinking about taking the air out of the tires. See, me and my buddy Tony, we were just so into this plan of taking all the air out of his tires that we didn't think ahead. But our buddy Brian, he was thinking ahead. You know, he was asking the right questions. Now, I didn't want to hear that question. So I'm like, Brian, don't worry about that. It's all going to work out. That's like a classic Justin quote. It's all going to work out. Don't worry about it. That's like classic me. But that's the right question to ask. For us, it was the wrong time to hear it. I didn't want to hear that question. You know, God has a way of asking us the right questions at the times that we think are wrong because we don't want to hear the truth. You know that when you, know, you exclude someone, and here's the thing about excluding people. You know like that feeling, the look on someone's face when they know they're being excluded, and everyone knows what that looks like. You've probably seen it in your own face. You felt exclusion. And so when you do it to someone else, like, you can spot that moment. It's like, ooh, like, the face cringe, like, that feeling of loss and pain of being excluded. You know, God sees those moments. And you know that little small voice that says, you know what, maybe you shouldn't exclude them. Maybe you should, you should invite them. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, keep them out. Maybe you should invite them in. Maybe you shouldn't let them walk past your lunch table again. Maybe you should invite them to sit with you. You know that little voice? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God saying, hey, I, I think you, you are wrong. I think you think you're right, but you're wrong. And, and I want to ask you a question to kind of help challenge what you're doing and what you're thinking. That's what I love about God. He always asks the right questions at the right time, even though for sometimes us, we don't feel like it's the right time at all. But I want to keep going with that verse. That was just a little thing on questions. Here's the rest of the verse. Then Jonah went outside of the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under. As he waited to see... What would happen, and he's kind of still waiting for the city to be destroyed, uh, what would happen to the city? And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head. This is very nice. Shady, this is very nice. Shading him from the sun. The sun was very hot. This is very nice, very relaxing. It's like a spa. This eased his discomfort. This is very nice. You know, Jonah's pretty hot, sweaty, redhead, uh, you know, just getting, you know, blisters from all the, the heat. I don't know. And Jonah was very grateful for the plants. Of course he was grateful. You know, this is a pretty good moment for Jonah. He's, he's sitting there. He's looking at the city that he thinks is going to be destroyed. God provided this plant to grow over him. He's relaxing. Here's what I want you to write down about this. This is important. Jonah was always committed to his own comfort. You know, Jonah was always happiest when he was most comfortable. He was happy when he was in Joppa, his hometown, in chapter 1, before God told him to go to Nineveh. Jonah was really happy on the boat headed toward Tarshish before the storm started. He was very comfortable on the boat. He was very uncomfortable in the fish in chapter 2. So he prayed to God, God, deliver me from this fish. Like, just a side note. If the only time we're turning to God is when we need help, like that makes God Santa Claus. That's who it makes God. If the only time we're turning to God is when we need help, and we're not turning to him when things are good, like if all we're doing with God is saying, God, I need this, and God, I need that, and not taking time to say, God, thank you for this, and God, thank you for that. If the only time we go to God is when we need something, we have a very shallow relationship with God. And that's what Jonah was doing. He was only going to God in chapter 2 when he needed something. 
You know, Jonah got out of the fish. He went to the city. You know, he was walking around. He didn't really talk that much. We talked about it last week. Because Jonah, he wasn't really that comfortable talking to these people. He didn't like these people. And then he went up on a hill. He was relaxing there. God provided a plant. Jonah was happy. He eased his discomfort. Jonah cares about Jonah. Jonah does not care about these other people. You, if all you care about is you, and you don't care about others, then you are not on the same page with God. Because God is someone who cares for others. You know, this is what it says in the next verse. I want you to to read this or just see it with me. Verse 7. But God arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so it had withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Again, this guy always wishes to die. This is so crazy. This is what he says. Death is certainly better than living like this, he explained. We're talking about reaction, right? Overreaction. We're talking about the one thing that we can control is how we react to things. So Jonah, again, given an opportunity, he reacts really poorly. He reacts selfishly. And he overreacts. It's better for me to be dead. Better for my life to end. You know, Jonah at this point is like in his like mid-40s or 50s. So he's not really even that old. Like that's not that old. I know you might think that's that old, but that's really not that old, okay? So like take it easy on old people. It's not even that old. And he's like, it'd be better for me to miss out on the rest of my life on earth, a place where God you created for us to live. It'd be better for me to miss out on that than have to endure this hot sun. That's like me being at Disneyland, being like, God, this line for Mickey, it's so long, it'd be better if I was dead than my son having to meet Mickey. That's like, it makes no sense. makes no sense. It's an overreaction. But remember, we're talking about reaction. We're the ones who control how we react to things. And this is what I love. It's going to be on the next slide. I want you to see this. You can tell a lot about your relationship with Jesus based on how you react. You can tell a lot about your relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to be really clear on something. This does not say that you can tell a lot about your family's relationship with Jesus based on how they react. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you can tell a lot about your friend's relationship with Jesus based on how they react. You can tell a lot about your youth pastor or youth leader's relationship with Jesus based on how they react. No, no, this is not a, a tool for you to use on other people. This is an equation for you to use on yourself. You can tell a lot about your relationship with Jesus based on how you react. If you react harshly, often, there might be something to look at about your relationship with Jesus because Jesus does not react harshly often. If you are slow to listen to people's opinions and you're quick to speak because you think you're always right, then there might be something you need to look at about your relationship with Jesus because Jesus was quick to listen and he was slow to speak. He actually took time to hear what people had to say. If, if you are the person who, when you react, it's, it's always driven by what's best for you, you might want to take a look at your relationship with Jesus. Because when Jesus reacted, he was always looking at what was best for other people, not for himself. That's called humility, thinking about others before yourself. Now, here's the thing. I really believe that this works. You know, me, I'm an adult, like-ish. You know, I have fun shoes, but I'm totally, like, of a legal driving age. I'm very old. And I always take the time to look at how my relationship with Jesus is 
And this is how I look at it. So this is how your youth pastor looks at his relationship with Jesus. I look at my relationship with Jesus through the lens of how I act and react with other people. Because if I act or react to things poorly or act poorly with other people, it's telling me that maybe there's something wrong with my relationship with Jesus. Because if I'm in relationship with Jesus, if I want to know and be like Jesus, if I want the values, the things of Jesus that are important to be lived out through my life, but yet I'm doing the opposite, then there might be a problem with my relationship with Jesus. And that's a me thing. It's a personal thing. But it's a, it's a question that if you ask it, maybe you don't love the answer, but it's a question worth asking. You know, this is how God wraps up this time talking with Jonah. And it, it, this is like Bible kung fu, okay? This is like Bible kung fu. This is what it says. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, which is a beautiful word for the Bible. Even angry enough to die. And this is so good, guys. This is so good. Verse 10 of this and 11. This is like Bible kung fu. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry. This is how I view God saying this. You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Jonah, you care more about a plant that you did nothing to get? You care more about that than you think I should care about the people in Nineveh that I created who are just living in spiritual darkness? They don't even know the right way to live. They're just making mistakes. You care more about a plant than people? When you're caring more about stuff than you're caring about people, you are not on the same page with what God cares about because God cares about people. When you overreact to someone like Jonah does, God, destroy them, just destroy them. I'm gonna sit in the city and watch you destroy them. Just take them out. They deserve what they have coming to them. When you sit there and those are the words or the thoughts that you have for someone, you are not caring about people the way God cares about people because God cares about people. When you are looking at family members, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, and you don't hear the answer you want, and so your default is to freak out and use stories of your history in your family against them to make them feel worse, like you know the right buttons to push, the things to say, when you do that, you are not on the same page with God because he cares about people and relationships. He does not overreact. When you see the person that you're excluding at school, the person you're bullying, because maybe you're a bully and you're in here, and listen, I love you, but bullying is not cool, or you're being bullied, which my heart breaks for that. It really does. I was bullied when I was a kid. It's really tough. If that's you, you're bullying someone, you think it's funny, and your friends, oh, we're all laughing about it. We think it's funny. Ha, 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 ha. You are not on the same page with God because God cares about people. Now listen, if you disagree with me, that's totally cool. I'm not God, but I know God and I know what he's about. And if you're not about the things he's about, especially when it comes to the things that God created us as people, that's a huge problem. And that's not even my problem. That's your problem with God. Like, I can't even do anything about that. You know, Jonah, that was Jonah's problem. Why? Because we are the only ones who can control how we react. We, we can't worry about other people's reaction. We can't worry about what other people are going to do. We can manage how we react. Here's the big idea for today. I want you to write this down. When you know Jesus, you react like Jesus. When you know Jesus, you react like Jesus. 
not know like, well, I kind of know some kind of scattered stories about Jesus, sort of, kind of. No, no, no. When you know Jesus, when you know the things that Jesus is about, when you know what Jesus is for, when you know Jesus, you react like Jesus. And if you look at your reactions and it's not like Jesus, then there's something that needs to change about how you know or connect with Jesus. You know, I was talking to a student recently who just massively overreacts to things. Like, kind of like Jonah. I mean, he's just a classic overreactor. And me and him were talking, and what, this is what we were talking about. We were talking about the things about Jesus and how he reacted. And we looked in the Bible, and we opened up, and we were kind of looking at different stories, and I kind of gave him a list to go home and kind of look at some, you know, in his own Bible, look at some stories of how Jesus reacted to things, and to come back, and we would talk about it. We got back together, we talked about it again, and this is the big takeaway. This is a big takeaway, okay? He realized, through just looking at how Jesus reacted, that he was not acting like Jesus. And he says he knows Jesus, and he goes to the camps, and he comes on the weekend, and he takes notes. He's doing all those things. But when, you, when he actually sat down and opened the Bible and looked at the stories, the things of Jesus, the things Jesus did, when he actually read it for himself, in these situations that he was in, he realized, I don't react like that at all. Oh, my gosh, look at Jesus, the woman at the well. Look at how he treated her. A woman at the well, total outsider. Everyone didn't like her. Look at how he treated someone that not everyone liked. Wow. Like, I know the kid at school that not everyone likes, and I, I kind of join in. Like, I don't stick up for her. I don't stick up for him. I just join in. You know, that says something about his relationship with Jesus. And he was the one that said it about himself. It was so beautiful. And if you want to know about how Jesus reacts, because it's all about reaction, how we react, it makes a difference. We can control how we react to things. Open your Bible. Read about Jesus. See how he reacts. And then look at yourself and say, man, do I react the same way? Would I do the same thing? That is my hope for you. And when you get into your car, and you will, unless you're walking home, which if you are, that means you live in a really beautiful house around here. Uh, it, you get in the car and your parents say, and they always say it because they want to make sure I'm you know, doing my job. Uh, they'll look at you and say, what did you learn today? And when they ask you, you're going to be able to say, this is what I learned today. I learned when you know Jesus you react like Jesus. And then you look at your parents and what do you say to them? What did, what did you learn today? And if they don't have an answer, you just grill them. You grill them the way they grill you. You just grill, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. All right. This is what I want to say lastly before we go, all right? This is what I want to say lastly. Uh, last week, we talked about this thing called beyond. This is totally in line with who Jesus is. You want to know Why? Because Jesus loves the community he lives in. Every story you see of Jesus in the Bible, he was loving the people in the town or in the village or wherever the city he was in. He loved those people. We're doing this thing called Beyond. It's your opportunity to love this community. We're redoing the whole community center. The whole thing's incredible. I was up on big stage today talking to all the parents and adults in the room about all the great things we're doing in children's and junior high and high school. If you have one of these cups at home, I encourage you, find ways to fill it with money. You can, there's things you can do. There's things you can give up. I'm giving up stuff to fill up these cups. And if you don't have a cup, you can get one at the door as you leave. Leaders have them. So make sure you grab one. Bring the cups back next week. And uh, lastly... Hold on, don't move. Relax, relax, relax. Lastly, Sugar Fest is this Friday. It's going to be really good. Winter camp sign-ups start right after. You're not going to want to miss it. 
Make sure you invite someone. There's always someone to invite. Just invite someone. It'll be great. Hey, let me pray for you guys before you go. Let me pray. Shh, quiet. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our students. God, you love them. You made them exactly the way you want them. Thank you for that. Let us have a great week at school. Let us look at how we react to others. Let us be the ones in control of our reactions. And Lord, let us learn a little bit more about you, Jesus, every single day. If we learn a little bit more every single day, we're going to know you so well, it's just going to be awesome. Let us grow our faith in you, Jesus. Let us have a great week and see everyone at Sugar Fest. Have a fun one. Amen. See you guys later. Go outside the door. Goodbye. I love you all. I love you all. Bye. Bye.